sub squad and welcome back to another episode of the self-love squad sessions with me kelly if you're new here welcome to the family welcome to the squad like i said my name is kelly and this is the podcast extension of my instagram page the self-love squad that's at the underscore self underscore love underscore squad which is a safe space for anyone on a self-love journey On this podcast, I share my feelings and musings as a fat, black, bisexual woman learning what it means to love herself. Now, as I am an adult, this is an adult podcast, and I will at times use adult language or talk about adult topics, so please use headphones if you're at work or around small children. So, without further ado, let's just jump right into this week's episode. seven month uh, three things I learned from being sober videos and I'm I'm proud to say it's not because I didn't make those milestones I did I'm actually going on eight months sober in about three weeks Um, but for one I didn't do the six month video because I did that dancing video to Cuff It by Beyonce which by the way is like blowing the fuck up for me blowing up for me I don't even consider myself a micro influencer anymore because I just feel like I don't consistently create enough post enough I don't really take it seriously I just kind of do whatever the fuck I want um you know the self-love squad was always supposed to be a healing project for me and if people want to come along then cool and if they don't still cool so that being said it's gotten like almost 2,000 likes over 4,000 views, over, like, 500 shares, and that, to me, is just, like, huge, like, I was just feeling my fucking self, um, but that's why I didn't do the six-month version, but I didn't do the seven-month version, not because I didn't want to, I do plan on doing it eventually, but I've been putting it off because the things that I've learned this last month, month and a half, have been heavy, have been really fucking heavy, and I I spoke on this, gosh, like two months ago, maybe, that I was committed to only posting on the internet, only speaking on the internet, when I felt I had something of value to say, when I felt like I had something to make the internet a better place, and I feel like I've been doing a good job of that. It's been coming actually very naturally naturally to me. And part of the reason why I'm recording today is because... I said this before, I'll say it again, but if you're new... Part of the reason I started this podcast and this platform... Was because I would catch myself having these like inner monologues. And I was like, I would really like to keep these. I would really like to record these somewhere... And I feel like I would really like to share these with the world. And so I caught myself for the first time in about two and a half months having those moments very frequently. And I was like, ah, that's a sign that I have something to say. Um, So we're here. 
But right now, in my sobriety journey, shit is not cute. And I hate reporting that for a plethora of reasons. One, because I never want to be... Well, let me backtrack. I know that in sharing my struggles with addiction, alcoholism, drug use, I have inspired others to go get help. I know that in sharing on the podcast, on Instagram, and even in my personal life, I've had people come to me, DM me, email me, saying that they realized they were struggling and they went and got help or asking me where they can get help. I've had friends who have friends who are suffering and be like, hey, can I give my friend your number? Right? So, like, I have been given this undesired responsibility, which I kind of knew what what would happen, but um, to kind of be that example, right? And so there's there's pressure in that. But the other reason why I don't want to share that my sobriety kind of sucks right now is because I worry that my sobriety would be another vegan-ism for me. And that is really what I've been struggling with recently. So, y'all know I love to give a good backstory and a good context. So, I, 2022 has been a blessing and a curse. Um, I got sober. I'm making more money than I've ever made. I, um, you know my apartment, even though I had that before, but you know, I'm still here, I am growing the self-love squad, I am really finding myself, and the major thing with sobriety that I've learned is it's not, there's levels to this shit, per usual, level one of sobriety is simply abstaining from substances, whether it's alcohol or drugs or, or whatever your addiction is, and that's the easy part that's the easy part just not buying liquor just not consuming liquor just not buying drugs just not consuming drugs that's the easy part that's the easy part the hard part is realizing that with sobriety the veil is lifted off of the real reason you were using and abusing and now you get to you know you get to a certain point in your sobriety journey, which is where I am now, where you are sober enough to see the real shit for what it is. And so, like for me, you know, well, not even just for me, but for a lot of people, we use alcohol, substances, food, whatever you're addicted to, to numb. Because we feel that there's something inside of us that we can't handle. There's something going on, a situation we're in, an emotion, a mental condition, a physical condition, whatever the case may be. There's something in our lives, in our inner sphere, that we feel like we can't cope with in a healthy way. Or we don't know how to cope with in a healthy way. And so we use these substances to not have to cope, to not have to deal. And so when you take them away, you now are faced you know, you're now face-to-face with the original aggressor, the real issue. The issue wasn't the alcohol. The alcoholism was a symptom of what I was really going through. And so I feel like I wasn't prepared for that. Or no one warned me 
you know, I, I'm in an AA program with people that got more sobriety, more years of sobriety than years I've been on this fucking planet, and yet nobody warned me that the real work isn't the abstinence of alcohol. The real work is waking up one day and realizing, you know, I might be the problem. Like, hey, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Like, yes, bitch. Like, it's me. Right? Waking up one day and realizing, I still have a raging eating disorder. Despite all the work I think I'm doing, it's still there. It's waking up one day and realizing... I thrive on validation, and if I don't get it, I will literally self-destruct. It's realizing one day that you are a chronic self-sabotager, and that's part of the reason why when life gives you any inconvenience, even though you're almost eight months sober, you're still like, fuck, I want to go get a drink. It's realizing that maybe you weren't the best friend to those people it's realizing that maybe you're not trying hard enough it's realizing that maybe you aren't doing enough it's realizing that maybe just maybe that one boss that told you you complain a lot maybe they were right maybe you are being a brat maybe you aren't as nice of a person as you thought and then because I'm not drinking, I'm not using, I have no way to process that. And I'm very blessed because my health insurance at my new job is kicking in or has kicked in. So I'm directly looking into therapy, looking into getting back on meds, which is another issue. The last two months I had to stop taking my meds because literally it was making me so anxious I couldn't function. But the flip side of that, and by the way, don't stop taking your meds without medical advice. That's not safe. I do not recommend that. You didn't hear it from me, bitch. But I did, and the anxiety went away. But now I am depressed every other day, right? And so, like, right before this, I literally cleaned my bathroom for the first time in three weeks, which is so gross. But, like, I just haven't had the mental wherewithal to do so, the mental and emotional energy to do so. And that, to me, is harder. That, to me, is harder than just not going to the bar or drinking. And, like, Friday, I went to a meetup because I'm feeling really lonely these days. I feel like I've burned a lot of bridges. I don't really have a lot of friends or whatever the, the reason, whether it's my fault, their fault. I'm not here to blame anyone for, for once in my fucking life. But I feel like I'm really lonely right now. I'm in a really lonely season, and I'm trying to put myself back out there and make honest genuine connections and I went to a bar on Friday that had a video gaming meetup and I didn't even feel pressure to drink at all someone offered me a beer and I was like it was gross one never a beer bitch not my thing and then two I'm a recovering alcoholic I don't drink and they were super cool about it so that to me is the easy part the abstinence is the easy part it's the having to live and feel all the feels and, you know, I realized, I think I shared this, like, four months ago, five months ago, in an episode where I was like, yeah, or maybe it was just on, on uh, Instagram that I shared, like, <laughs> that one week where I just was crying, like, oh, I watched random commercials and I'm just sobbing and I just was crying all the time. 
because for the first time I wasn't numb and I had to feel like my body was allowing me to release these emotions that I had been doing and pressing down with substances, right? Well, now I'm like at the second level of that. Now I'm dealing with, we call them character defects in the world of AA, but those parts of my personality that aren't serving my higher purpose because I truly believe, and I don't know if this is like supported in AA literature, but I truly believe that real sobriety, like as a verb, as an action, like to be sober, is not simply to abstain from substances. I truly think that real sobriety comes from removing the things we use to numb so that we can better ourselves and be better people for the world around us so we can show up as our full uninhibited selves and so that's where I'm at and that's why my sobriety sucks right now because it's a lot it's a lot and I feel like I don't have the wherewithal I feel like I don't have the strength I'm constantly saying to people I don't think I have what it takes to do life because I don't have the healthy coping skills after years of therapy when I go into my mental tool bank I feel I I draw blank like I feel like I don't know how to how to fix things and then another issue which I feel like is making my sobriety suck right now is the loneliness so two of my sober besties don't fuck with me anymore and to be honest I don't think I fuck with them either And at first, I was very bitter, very bitter, very angry, very passionately angry, Um, you know, very much so drinking the poison and hoping that it makes them sick, very much in that mind space. And of course, per usual, it backfired, and there was a situation where somebody said something, I thought they were being rude. And I chose to pick that fight. I made the conscious decision to pick that fight. And I didn't like their response. And instead of pausing, you know, we were in a public place, pausing, having that private one-on-one conversation, just keeping it cute, keeping it cordial, I ignored them the rest of the night. I didn't speak to them, whatever. So then I also went, by the way, and gossiped to someone about how I was feeling, and they probably snitched because bitches ain't loyal these days. But they texted me the next day and was like, yeah, like, like I just need to bow out of this friendship. And I was like, I bet. But the truth was, my heart was not like, I bet. My heart was like, oh my god, no, I love you, come back, let's make this work. But my ego was like, nah, fuck that bitch. Like, you gonna fuck with me? Bet. Cutting you off, cutting off the emotions, I'm done. And I used to always pride myself on being like, you know, I am a Libra. Like, if I just don't fuck with you, like, I just don't fuck with you. Like, I'm just a bad bitch. And really, it's like, no, bitch, that's an unhealthy coping mechanism. You're trying to hurt other people before they hurt you. And this person cut you off, so now you're going to act like you don't care about them at all. And so I saw them. They texted me a couple days later, like, hey, I hope you're doing well. And I just, like, I was petty. I hearted, like, you know, on iPhones, you can heart the message. So I hearted the message instead of responding because I wanted to like pour my heart out like I wanted to be like oh my god bitch I've missed you so much like I hope you're doing well I 
like we can talk about this I like love you like you're literally like family to me like let's talk it out my ego was like oh now you want to talk to me like oh now you want me to talk to you on your terms like fuck you bitch and so I saw them two days after that and I didn't speak to them and they're like oh you can't fucking speak to me and I was like hey. and there was a part of me that like I don't want to say it was being fake but there was a part of me that was like damn I fucked up let me go talk to them but I feel like at that point it was too late right like going up to them like hey girl it's so good to see you like kiss kiss like you know whatever and they were looking at me like this fake fat bitch like what the fuck and I even like I even went as far as to send a text message being like hey I don't want to apologize for like not speaking to you like that was not cool like regardless of where our friendship is right now like just ignoring you is like not cool like that like what happened between us does not warrant that type of pettiness and that is something that sobriety has shown me about myself and it's hard it is hard to look in the mirror completely mentally clear and realize that you're not as good as a person as you think you are and that and having those those moments I don't want to call them nostalgia but having those moments of clarity hearing conversations you've had with ex-friends ex-bosses ex-lovers ex-people in your life and realizing that they were right realizing that you were wrong is a fucking hard pill to swallow and I can't even drink it away I can't even sweep it under the rug with a margarita. I have to feel it. And this is why therapy is so important in recovery. And, you know, I got rid of my first sponsor because she didn't believe in therapy. And I was like, bitch, (laughs) we're not going to work out. We're not going to work out, shorty. We're not going to work out because I crazy. And I need psychological help like I have a sponsor who's wonderful absolutely wonderful and you know that's what he's for is the sobriety aspect and he's been so kind because he knows like financially I haven't been able to afford therapy for a couple months while I was waiting for um, insurance and so sometimes like when we meet once a week if I have a lot going on in my life which at this point when do I not have a lot going on He'll let our meetings, instead of doing, like, step work, you know, like, the 12 steps, he'll let our, our meetings be, like, therapy sessions. And I find he gives me, obviously, he can't give psychological advice, but he gives, like, AA-related advice. And that's been super, super helpful for me um, in my mental space. But it's really hard. It's really hard to swallow that pill. Like, I don't necessarily think I'm a horrible person, but I definitely am not as good of a person as I think I tell myself and I tell people and I display like on the internet I really am not and like I'll give you a couple examples so like I worked a job when I worked at that nonprofit last year I quit like a week ago last year just so crazy and um there was a situation I don't quite remember the details but there was a situation where a project that I a project that fell within my line of responsibilities happened and everyone was like Kelly like why didn't you say anything and I was like I didn't even know this was happening like management like purposely left me out of the loop probably so that I wouldn't tell other people and 
give them heads up. And so we ended up having a meeting about it, like a company meeting about it. And everyone's looking to me and I'm like, I knew nothing about this. I was in the dark just like everybody else. Like, don't come to me. I don't, I don't know shit. I'm finding out as you find out. And after, people were obviously upset. People were obviously pissed off about whatever was shared. And I remember one of the, like, directors, whatever, pulled me in her office. He's like, hey, can I talk to you? And I was like, oh, bitch. Like, I already knew that my time there was dwindling. Like, I, it just, a lot had happened. And, um, side note, I always laugh because they know about my Instagram. They know about my podcast. I spoke about this before it came up in the interview process and I always like in the back of my mind I'm like I wonder if these motherfuckers still listen and they hear me talking about them so like if you hear me talking about you hey bitch what's popping <laughs> but, but yeah no so she pulled me in her office and she was like one of the nicer managers like she still was a little sly but she was nicer and she was like hey like you know I just feel like you could have handled that meeting a little bit better. And I was like, I could handle that meeting a little bit better, bitch. That was not my meeting. Because being like an admin, especially in a type of company with a company structure where there's a clear break between like corporate employees and like on the ground employees, like people like the admin to kind of straddle the line, which <laughs> as my man, I'm good at straddling. But you know, like, they always want us to straddle like, that line, like, technically, we're not upper management, but we're also technically not, like, frontline employees, like, right, so I just, I find it funny, like, bad management will always try to use it against you when it's convenient, like, when you try to make a decision, it's like, bitch, play your role, you're not management, but then when you go and you support the frontline employees, it's like, oh, no, you're a corporate employee, like, you're, you're on the management team, like, come with us, so this job literally was, like, the worst at that, like, they would tell me, like, oh, you need to, like, use your affluence, when I would, like, side with, with the other, other employees, but then I heard that they were telling people, like, no, Kelly's not a manager, like, your job is more important than hers, like, bitch, that's not what you told me, but okay, anyways, I digress, so, she was like, yeah, I just like you could have handled it better because I feel like you shouldn't have complained and I've been hearing that you complain a lot and like there had been a day where I literally had a breakdown at work and I just was like, like I guess venting to someone, which don't vent to your coworkers, don't trust these hoes. I'm still struggling with that, by the way. <clears throat> and um, she was like, yeah, you know, I just think you need to like use your position of affluence to like bring up the vibe and not bring it down. Like I just feel like you're being a Debbie Downer. And I, of course, returned her shirt and was like, you don't pay me to be a manager, so I'm not managing shit. Second of all, what I said was true. I didn't know anything because then it was poorly reflected on me that I left my team, that I left my constituents who I'm, you know, working hand in hand with day in and day out with, that I left them in the dark on purpose. And that's not true. And you're not going to have me out of the loop in these meetings but then wanting to have your back it doesn't work like that I said at number fucking three why is it that other people can share their grievances but when I share my grievances it's a fucking problem we're in a meeting where everyone else was like I don't like this I'm uncomfortable and then Kelly shares that she doesn't like it and she's uncomfortable and she's being silenced 
And so right before I quit, there were a couple more discussions that I had with management. There's one where I felt like there was some retaliation happening and make a long story short, what I took away from that were a couple of things and I didn't I didn't agree with them at the time, mind you. One of them was that I complain as a way to build camaraderie. So like literally the walking definition of misery needs company but more like misery wants friends right so like it's easier to be like oh you're having a hard day at work oh, girl me too oh, you're having a period cramp oh me too then trying to be the person that brings up the vibe like I guess you know they felt like I was using misery to connect with people or I was complaining to connect with people And obviously, right, there's a part of me that's like, well, if you foster a work environment that lends people to constantly being happy, then that's not, to be unhappy, then that's not hard to do. And it, like, from a social mind game perspective, because you all know, unfortunately, I'm all about the social clout in terms of my career, like, that's not a bad idea. Like, is it a good thing to do? No, but, like, it's... If you're going to make it easy for me to connect with my peers because we all hate you, like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So, like, if you're a good manager, then I can't use this social tactic. But you're a bitch, and we, everyone else agrees. But I digress. Then the second thing was, like, that they said was basically, like, sharing too much personal information at work and letting interfere with my work life and the third thing that they said was basically like being positive when I got hired and then like doing a full 180 and being negative and I went through a couple more situations throughout this last year where those three things came up and not even in corporate settings so like one being super ungrateful which is like the broader spectrum term of these these things that they mentioned so like not just from a corporate setting you know what I mean so like not being grateful so being super ungrateful always complaining always griping about something to like connecting with people like trauma bonding with people versus having actual positive points of connection and then three masking so like showing people my bubbly outrageous like crazy like positive bright personality that you all know and love and then when they get unsuspecting rip the mask off and it's like nothing but darkness and it wasn't until I want to say a couple weeks ago when I had these issues with my friends where it's like I almost feel like God gives me these, like, flashback reels. Like, when you post, like, content, like a YouTube video or, or something, or, like, a or like a reel, and you watch it back, and you're like, holy fuck, I really looked like that, you know? Or like, holy fuck, I really did that. I went there. I went to the BTS concert. I really did live in New York at one time, right? Like, all these things. That's how it felt. Like, God had condensed the last year of my life into a snippet, like a mental snippet. And I thought about, you know, that guy I dated at the beginning of the year <clears throat> that I met that time I was at the club in Deep Elm. Or was that last year? That might have been last year. Holy fuck. 
it was last year that I dated that guy it wasn't even this year it was last year yeah it was last year but like that guy I dated where he was like um when we broke when we broke up or when we like we weren't together but when we went our separate ways and he was like you know you're a horrible person and I was like what are you talking about and he was like I thought you you just called me horrible because I don't fucking like you he's like no he's like you're mean he was like you say things that you think are jokes and they're actually really hurtful like you purposely dig into people's insecurities as jokes and then when they get offended you make fun of them even more and he was like you're also super fake and I was like what do you mean he's like because you use your bubbliness you use your like bright personality to lure people in and once they're comfortable with you then it's nothing but doom and gloom it's like that's not the person I signed up to be with that's not the person I signed up to be friends with I did not sign up for someone who's constantly complaining constantly crying constantly suicidal like with all due respect I did not sign up for that and he was like and because of that that makes me feel like you're a liar because that's not who you are you're like he's he literally called me a spider which if you know my arachnophobia that was like the biggest insult you could give me you can call me a fat ball-headed buck-toothed bitch I would rather that than you call me an eight-legged demon oh I'm gonna vomit so gross he was like you're like a spider like you lure people in with your smile when they're least suspecting the darkness comes out and fucking bites them and I thought about that and I thought about the relationship I'm in right now no I will not be going into detail about that and how one time he was like you know you're mean sometimes like I don't he's I don't even think you realize it like sometimes you're really mean and you think you're joking but it's like really mean and I stopped stopped in my tracks as soon as he said that and I was like holy shit that guy was right holy shit that job was right and that's when I had that like that like mental you know reel I was talking about and I realized like I do complain a lot I do use misery as a point of connection I I trauma bond that's how I try to connect with people. I do put on this super bubbly mask. So, of course, right as I'm about to end this podcast, right at the precipice of when I'm sharing, I get a phone call and the app freezes. So, I just want to end with this. Um, you know, I, I did realize that that's what I was doing. That those people were right. And I decided, you know, well, part of the reason why sobriety sucks is because for the first time in my life, I am sober enough and clear-headed enough and healed, that's the main point, healed enough to make those connections, to see those patterns of behavior, to confront and admit those character defects, and yes, that is actually a step, but to have the space to attack them head on, to not run from them, to not hide from them, to not sulk from them. And so because of that, it's just made sobriety a little less fun. 
I think I'm okay with that. I think. So that's it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, make sure you hit me up on the gram at the Self Love Squad and let me know what you want me to talk about next. I love you guys. Stay safe. Goodbye.